This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Talksplode with Donnie Cates. Right through the Hey, this is Josh Flanagan from iFanboy. 
This is another episode of Talksplode. It's our creator interview podcast. Thanks to the patrons uh, who help make this possible and bring it back. And we've been doing it now for a while. Today on the show is Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates writing as a Marvel exclusive writer. Uh, you may have known him recently from uh, Doctor Strange or Thanos or uh, his creator own series, God Country, Ghost Fleet, uh, Redneck. There's, there's a bunch of them. Um, the upcoming Venom and upcoming Death of the Inhumans. So a lot of stuff going on. Um, and somebody we've never talked to on the show, so roll it out. This is me and Donnie talking for quite a while about his career in comics. I am here with Donnie Cates. Hey, Donnie. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Uh, we are here to talk about a new... I don't want to say new because you that would be foolish, but uh, to, the, to, the, to the ears of many of the folks listening, maybe sort of a newer writer, I guess is what sure. You've been... Now, I think I noticed you... I think I noticed you on social media quite a, a while back, with five, six years, something like that. Yeah, I've been I've been um, like I don't know what you would call professionally. I've uh-huh. been I've been publishing books for around six years or so. See, I think that I I, I know I sort of meet a lot of comics people you know on social media and sort of sort of see what people who I don't really know are doing a lot. And I and I and I remember seeing your name. Uh, you have an exuberance that for some reason I remembered it. <laughs> you seem to be excitable. Um, <laughs> But then all of a sudden it was like, you're doing a Dark Horse thing. I was like, that's a real comic book. And so I sort of took note and I would see like your projects would be uh, sort of getting bigger as time went on, which, I, which is always sure. kind of cool to see. I always like to see when, when folks are, are sort of making it. So uh, wh- where did you come from? Where did the- well, I, well, I was going to say you might know my name from a very obscure thing. Um, the Savannah College of Art and Design had a podcast that was called Sequel Lab. Kind of remember, I, yeah. I was the host of Sequel Lab. Um, it was me and a bunch of other people of, uh, of students and everything. Um, and I, I, I like frequently wrote into your sh- like wrote you guys emails and stuff. So Did we might- answer them? I th- I want to say maybe one time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a very big deal for me. Um, <laughs> but where do I come from? I I am I'm, I'm from Texas. Um, I live in Austin now. Um, as to what you, I'm sure you really mean. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I ran a bunch of comic book stores here in Austin, uh, like 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. so some, something like that. Uh, civil war time is what I call it. Um, cause that's all we ever sold. Yep. And, uh, I ran those stores into the ground and then, um, you, you ran your own stores into the ground. You ran other people's stores into the ground. I ran other, well, the guy who owned them ran his own stores that I managed into the ground. Well, don't take credit for that then. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was awesome at it. I was a really good comic book store guy. Um, and so, yeah, those stores kind of shut down and then I, still wanted to be in comics because uh, it was like it's I don't have any like usable skills you know yeah um, <laughs> and so I went to SCAD uh, I because I, they have a sequential art program there that you can actually get a degree from right <laughs> and so I went there and uh, I went like two years straight and then I uh, got an internship at Marvel um, now, now that would have been you would have gone like for art well, my major was sequential art, right. you know, but yeah, I mean, but they, to, to yes, I, I wanted to be a penciler for sure. I mean, I was a sculptor. I still sculpt. Um, I still draw to a certain extent. Uh, um, but really when I got to SCAD, 
you know, there's like a mandatory few writing classes that everyone has to take. And my professor, Mark Neese, uh, was like the first guy who kind of took me aside and was like, you know, you, you, you could be good at this. Like you have, you have this, right? And was that not a thing um, that you knew or that you thought? Like you were just no, doing the work? Uh-uh. That's really I, interesting. I wouldn't, I never grew up, I, I was never a writer. I, I didn't write like the first thing I ever wrote was um, Buzzkill in 2011. Huh. Um, yeah, I didn't grow up writing at all, but I mean, I fell in love with it really fast. Like the 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 process of scripting, and coming from a background as an artist, um, it, it, I find it very, I don't know, it's very intuitive for me. Uh, I think in um, you know the I think as an artist, I think, and so it's very easy for me to communicate with, with artists. And uh, coming from SCAD, like I had to take all those classes. I had to take um, penciling and inking and the backgrounds and hands and all these things. And so I, it, it's given me a, you know, a broader appreciation of what I can uh, confidently ask these people to do for me. <laughs> now, that being said, I met Jeff Shaw there. That's how I know Jeff. And Your so, artist on, on um, Thanos and before on that, Thanos, is it God Country? God Country as well, and the Paybacks and Buzzkill. Okay. Um, so we've worked together a bunch. Um, so and he he has a master's uh, in comics. So I can I just make him draw the wildest shit because he he has to. Um, so yeah, I went there and I uh, had a uh, a really great time there. And then I got an internship at Marvel, um, where I was uh, I was an editorial intern and I was in the office of uh well back then it's different now mm-hmm. i was in panicia's office right and at, at the time panic's office was um was obviously him and then uh sana who now uh i think is over uh God, what is sana's official title now she's a, she's still an editorial but she kind of has her own yeah kind of branch she's a big deal everyone knows, knows who son is right um and but i couldn't Jordan explain White. to you what that position is so yeah you're right yeah she yeah she's awesome um but yeah i don't know what it is either um i know she's very important and very uh intimidating mm-hmm. um and then jordan white uh sure. jordan at the time uh that office was like ultimate stuff and hulk stuff right um and so, like, Sana did all the Ultimate stuff, and Jordan did all the Hulk stuff, and then Panic did both of them, right? Um, nowadays, Panic is Star Wars, Jordan is X-Men, and a little bit of the cosmic stuff still. Like, Jordan ended up being my editor on Thanos, which is weird and crazy. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I got out of my, my internship. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm going yeah, to yeah, pause yeah. you there because I'm going to go back. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things I need to, I need to touch on. Yes, please. Um, now, you're in, you're in a school for learning sequential art to do that. Somebody says, hey, you've got a knack at this writing thing. At what point do you start to change gears about what you're doing? And, and therefore, like, so, the, you know, did that have to do with why you ended up going to intern at Marvel? And it, like, at what point did you say, I'm, I'm going to keep trying to be an artist? Or is that not a factor in that yet? Yeah, no, that definitely happened while, like, in my, like, second year at SCAD. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, well, it was kind of a, 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 two things happened at the same time. One was, like I said, that teacher kind of taking me aside and saying that you're good, you're good at this. And also, I was in classes with Jeff Shaw and Trad Moore. Uh-huh. Uh, and so looking at those guys art, I was like, I need to figure out a new plan. 
<laughs> because Jeff Shaw and Trad Moore were that good back then. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah. just they just smoked everybody. I mean, they were so good. Um, and so I kind of shifted to like, I'm just going to hire those guys to do, to, to like draw stuff. And hopefully that'll mask how bad I am at writing. Did, did, uh, was anybody like, don't do this. This is a horrible idea. And, and I say that because like a comic book artist is a tough gig and mm-hmm. breaking it as a comic book writer is like, if anything worse. Yeah. It's harder for sure. It's, Especially today, and or you know yeah. then, but but leading into now. Well, man, I the thing is, is I had gone to college right out of high school, mm-hmm. and I went to a, like a state college here in Texas, and hated it, and dropped out after two years, and moved to Austin. So by the time I you know ran those comic book shops down, and then went to SCAD, I was you know I was a lot older than all those students there, and I was kind of. Honestly, I mean, I was very young, you know, comparatively now, but like I, it was kind of my last ditch effort. It was kind of like, I'm, I've got to do something, you know, like I didn't, I, cause I really thought that I could run that store my entire life. By the time that I went to, to SCAD, I was very, very, very focused on trying to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because the comic book shop thing had fallen down. All of my dreams of being in, in a punk rock band had fallen down. <laughs> Um, and it really became like this last ditch effort, even though I was, I was decently young, you know, I mean, I was in my twenties for sure. I mean, I'm only 33 now. So, I mean, I, this was, this was 2010. So this was eight years ago, you know? Um, and so I, but, but, but I was going to say to, to answer your question of like, that's such a crazy thing to think it's going to work. Right. Um, is both my parents are so unbelievably supportive of me <laughs> and everything I've ever tried. They're just like, hell yeah, go do it. And my dad has this thing that he says all the time. And, uh, or he used to say when I was growing up, because like, I would say those things. I would, I would say like, I want to be a comic. I want to work in comics, but I would say like, but it's, you know, it's impossible. Like there's so, there's so many people who want to do that. And you know, like it, it's just impossible. And my dad would say, well, it's going to happen to someone. It might as well be you. <laughs> and awesome. I always, I always carried that, that around. Like every single time I went in to pitch a book or, or put a team together or tried something, I always say like, you know, there's someone out there who's doing the exact same thing as I am right now and they're going to get the job. And so why can't that person just be me? Mm-hmm. And so I always just walked into everything with this, I don't know, entitled thing of like, well, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. And the thing is, that that story, if it was in a film, that would make me kind of like the entitled douchebag bad guy, except for the part where it worked. Like, <laughs> it all kind of, it all kind of worked. I mean, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you get started in comics without that. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to. Isn't that the weirdest thing ever, too? Because I, I, I've, I've thought about this. Mm-hmm. Like, people in comics are, we're kind of, we're, we're kind of loners, people who work in comics sure. is all we ever do is work by ourselves. And we we're kind of known, um, as we beat ourselves up a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're very, um, self-conscious and insecure, but at the same time, you know, writers and artists both have to have this bravado built into them where it's like, y- uh, people have to hear what I have to say. 
Like yeah. the, this story is important, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's a, it's a weird line to walk, you know? And I don't know, people ask me all the time how to break in. And I, I, I tell them how I did, but then at the end of it, I always say, but you know, don't do that. Cause that's, sh- that shouldn't have worked. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's safer ways to go about this. So, okay. So then I assume that you decided going to Marvel and turning there in editorial would be sort of part of your road to, to writing. You know, at the time I was, I was pretty dead set on writing, but then I applied to the Marvel internship on a lark. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got it, I started to try and wrap my head around like, man, editorial would be really fun. You know, like I, I, I thought that I might be suited, um, uh, for a role as an editor. Um, and then towards the end of my internship, um, I, I helped panic move into his new apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole story in and of itself. But as a, as a, uh, as a thank you, he took me out for a beer the next day. And I had been offered a new, a, to renew my internship, to come back one, like for a new uh, term, right? And I sat down with Panic, and he was like, so what do you want? And I was like, well, I, I think I want to be a, be a writer, but I'd love to be an editor. And he was like, don't be an editor. Because if you want to be a writer, you will hate this job, and you'll be bad at this job. You know, and so panic, panic kind of weirdly gave me like the, the, the kick that I needed because I didn't accept my second term as an intern. And instead I moved back to Austin and just started making my own comics, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, which is again, something that I would like, if, if, if that was my son, (laughs) I would be like, are you crazy? You have to stay for your second internship, dummy. You know, like you could get a real job out of this, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I went back home to Austin and started, uh, I reached out to like all my contacts at SCAD. Um, I, I was always better friends with the professors than I was with students just because of my age. Um, and so I talked to editors or, uh, to, uh, professors and just asked them periodically, Hey, who in your classes are, are doing great? Like who are some great artists? And then I would just hire them. And and get them to draw books, and then I would go to every single con that I could afford and put my little crappy little ash cans in editors' hands. And one day, I I I I put a a uh, black and white comic in this dude's hand at Dark Horse, and he ended up putting it on the president's desk, and the president called me, and uh, that became. Uh, I did like a Dark Horse Presents story with that story, which led into my first miniseries, and then it's just kind of been mm-hmm. going since then. Huh. That's the way – I mean, that's actually pretty close to how it's supposed to work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, once you once, – once I got to the part in the story where I started actually doing the things mm-hmm. that you're supposed to do, it happened pretty quick. But it took me a long time to realize that I, you know, had to figure out how to do those things, you know? So from the point that you decide you want to tell stories in the comic book form and, and that you're going to have to be the genesis of the stories and things like that, like, had you always thought of stories or concepts or, or the kinds of books that you'd want to do? Or, or, you know, did that come naturally or is that more like, like you had to work at it? No, I definitely did. I, 
I always had ideas for stories. I had no ability to tell them at all. And I, I would, I would talk to guys who were writers and I was that annoying dude who was just like, you know, I got a lot of ideas. I got a lot of cool ideas here and need some ideas, you know? And then, um, yeah. And then after that, like in that, in that writing class, it was a writing for comics, like specifically class, you know, and part of that class, you, Mark Neese, the, 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 the guy who taught the class and a dear friend of mine, um, he would ask everyone in the class, like, Hey, like, what is your, huge comic book book idea that you have like i'm sure all of you have like a 60 issue you know magnum opus kind of a thing and we would all go around and of course all of us did and part of the class is he would make you boil it down to like a four issue book mm-hmm. and so you would go through all of the steps of outlining and preparing a pitch and doing all that and so in that process i really figured out that i loved doing all that stuff and I figured out how to distill all these like crazy ass ideas I had into stories. Um, it's funny, God Country, which is in in the in the creator owned realm, kind of the book I'm most known for. Um, I had the idea for that book before SCAD, um, back when I was running my comic book shops. It was it was just this. It was a dumb idea that I had, uh, and it was like, well, what if you know Thor's hammer dropped in a trailer park? And it was just dumb. Like it was, it was, it was just silly, you know. Um, and then I shelved it, um, and then came back to it when I had something to say, you know, and kind of retooled it. But like a lot of my creator-owned books, especially, are ideas that were, you know, in the process of baking over a period of eight years or so. So then you take that and you start. I mean, you basically are. St- if you start writing for, you're doing the ash cans. You're sort of doing the work. But really, you're getting published and having stories, you know, published pretty quickly. I mean, so you were learning the nuts and bolts of it on the job. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I tell um, I tell kids when they ask me how to break in. Everything is um, a lot of people get frozen, like when they get their first assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, they tense up and they're afraid of getting, you know, embarrassed or anything like that. And I always say that, like, you know, the best thing that can happen to you is what happened to me which is you, you learn in public, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I well, that can go the, badly. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and you know, I, 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 you know, luckily the first thing I ever did is a book called buzzkill, um, which is a very personal story for me. Um, cause I'm, 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 I'm sober now. Um, I'm like three and a half years sober now, but I sure wasn't then. Mm-hmm. And that's what that whole book's about really. Um, and so, I kind of had that on my side where I I started out doing the thing that you're supposed to do, but, which is have a voice and have something you know specific to say. Um, and I did that, and then I did like a bunch of like dumb like popcorn stories that didn't mean anything. And then that's why my career kind of dipped a little bit around then. And then I came back at Image, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I thought it was I. I was so dumb at the time and just so wrapped up in how surreal and amazing it was that I was getting published work that I didn't care about like I, – I, I, I was never afraid mm-hmm. of being embarrassed or people calling it terrible. I was just so eat up with being able to tell my girlfriend who's now my wife that like, hey, I'm, I'm not one of the guys who says that he's going to try and do something. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a guy who did it. You know, like that was such a huge deal to me that like, even if it was bad, even if everyone hated it, I did it. 
I got sure. that first one done and it's out and and now you just keep on going, you know, and I took to heart all the criticisms that, that I got and and you know, I I quickly kind of found a, a small peer group and I don't know, I just paid attention to what people were enjoying and what people weren't and you know, I I learned in public, you know. Um and it's been great, you know. I but I tell I mean the dumbest thing I did during that time was I immediately quit my day job. Like I got I got a four issue series at Dark Horse and quit my my job immediately. <laughs> and like I tell for those all people time, at home, like, that's not gonna be a massive page rate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And and I I um I tell I tell kids all the time, like, don't don't do that. Like that shouldn't have worked. It did work. I haven't had a job since then. Um, I mean, I have a job, but not like a like I leave the house job, right? Um, but it it shouldn't have worked. Um, it what did, was your day job like, that you quit? Best Buy. Nice. Yeah, the worst job I've ever had. Ugh, I hated it. <laughs> hated it so much. Um, but dude, like it was four issues, and the page rate was not great. Yeah. Um, and I ran out of the money um, the week that my next two creator-owned series were approved. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I was running out of money, like, spending my last, like, 20 bucks when I got the email uh, saying that both series, the Paybacks and Ghost Fleet, were both approved. And so they sent me a schedule of, like, when they wanted scripts and pages and everything, and I was like, hey, could I send in, like, four scripts in, like, the next two weeks? Like, could I turn them in all early and could you pay them, like pay for them? And they were like, yeah, if you want to get started early. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just needed money. (laughs) And so I just sat down and banged them out as fast as I could, you know. Um, But yeah. That's a powerful motivator. No shit, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's funny because your story, I mean, you can say you can tell people don't quit your day job and that's perfectly reasonable advice. But I, I think like, you know, like Robert Kirkman is the other version is the same story. Basically. It's like, I just gave right. everything up to do it. You know? It's like, yeah. I mean, there is something to the idea of, of, uh, of jumping and building your wings on the way down. You know, it really, I mean, it, it kicks you into gear. I mean, uh, I, I was on a panel just recently with, um, with a bunch of other creators and my buddy Matthew, who also writes for Marvel. Um, and we were talking about, you know, we were in a room and the panel was about like how to break into comics and stuff. And Matthew said like, you know, if you don't, if you don't wake up thinking about it and go to sleep thinking about it and you're not obsessed with trying to break in, you're not obsessed with it like all day, every day, it might not be for you because that obsession is, is going to be your reward for a long time because the money's going to come way, way yeah. later. This you is know? Matt Rosenberg, I assume. Yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, and he grinded yeah. Oh yeah. for a long time. And, yeah, and, 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 and like to people listening, like that doesn't mean like, man, he had to work here, but that's like, that's how, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew's a great, I mean, me, me yeah. and me and Matt have, have, have kind of, we're kind of bonded at the hip these days. Yeah. Um, a, we came up together kind of at the same time. He was ahead of me um, by like, I don't know, like a, a year, two years. Yeah. Like, you know, he would get a big book and then like a year afterwards I would get a big book or anything. But we're kind of now, uh, we're kind of lumped into the same like 
freshman class sure. at Marvel, right? Um, but the most important thing, and the reason that Matthew and I have become buddies, is because he is a straight edge guy, and I'm sober. So when everyone else is 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 getting hammered and stuff and having a a good time, me and Matthew just go and get like milkshakes and shit and hang out, and it's perfect. Yeah, Matt's a good guy. Um, He's a great guy. It's it's funny because that thing that he said, I think, is you know absolutely true and and it's honestly it's one of the reasons like i stepped away from it really because i was like i I don't i don't have that part yeah and you know what like like, that's 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 the other sorry that's the other part of it that matthew said too was just like you know and 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 if it's not if you don't think of it like that that's okay yeah like there's 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 plenty of avenues to be in comics that aren't the like the brutal grind of trying to be a writer Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's other avenues, um, but being a writer, especially, is is a drag for a long time. Yeah. I mean, if you're an, if you're an artist, even if you're doing something on the lower scale, like pay wise, um, you know, you're still making more than a writer, like by far, right? And then there's the, there's the old, you know, kind of adage of the this idea that like, oh, well, writers can do multiple products at once, and that's absolutely true. Except for when you're just starting and no one wants to hire you for anything. <laughs> so you go to a book and they pay you 500 bucks and then you're done. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really scary. So I, I, and I, I've heard that advice about – I'm going backwards a little bit. I've heard that advice mm-hmm. about working at editorial. I've had Aubrey Sitterson on the show and he had sort of a similar kind of thing where he's like, if I wanted to be a writer, I'm already behind if I'm an editor, which seems to not make mm-hmm. sense. But that is the case. But mm-hmm. what – did you learn from being there mm. at Marvel? That, Man, I mean, I'm guessing you got a ton. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I really like Marvel was so when I was at SCAD learning how to write, you know, I was on deadlines, mm-hmm. right? But they were in-house school deadlines, right? Um, which are what I learned very quickly being at Marvel are not uh, accurate as how real real comic production schedules look like, you know? Um, and so Marvel was writing boot camp. Because uh, if you read a Marvel comic in, like, 2010, around there, uh, I wrote the recap for it, and I wrote the solicitation for it. Like, all the previously on X-Men shit, I wrote that. And I was, I was on paper, I was Panic's intern and, you know, Jordan and Sana. But once they figured out that I, I knew how to, like, put words in order in a sequence that made sense and they could rely on me, I was just farmed out to everybody, everybody, <laughs> every single office. If they needed something done really fast, it was me. And so I was there. I was the first guy in and I was the last guy out a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. They would they would like there was two instances off the top of my head where Lauren Sankovich came over to the intern row and saw me there and was like like forcibly told me to go home. It was like we we don't pay you go home. Like <laughs> she was like you're not impressing anybody, you just look crazy. Just go home. <laughs> um so I mean I would work my ass off and I took it really seriously and um that kind of like that that kind of lunatic obsession with making sure that I'm the guy that people can rely on is something that is really helped me going forward. I'm I, when I first started at Marvel this past year in 2017, 
you know, that reputation kind of like it, it kind of transferred over. Um, I was I was only writing Thanos at the time because um, even though Doctor Strange came out first, Thanos I was on I was on Thanos or even Doctor Strange came out first, right? I've been on Thanos longer at that point, um, and Nick Spencer was doing Secret Empire, and. Uh, for whatever reason, got behind on the actual Captain America titles. There was the Sam one and the Steve one. Yep. And they knew I was fast. And so Brevoort came to me and was like, hey, can you can you hop in and 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 do some 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 uh, spot issues? Can you do like three or four of them? And I was like, yeah, do I'll write Captain America. And he was like, cool. So we need these three uh, this week. Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I was so young there. I mean, I'm still very young there. Um, but to me, like it was, Oh my God, that's Brevoort. Like Brevoort is asking me to help him. Mm-hmm. Like Marvel is in a bind and they have come to me. And I was like, I'm your man. I got you. And I did it. And I turned him in on all on time. Um, they might not be being my finest hour, but they got, they, but, but they came out on time, you know? Um, and I, I don't know, that means a lot to me uh, to have a reputation like that. Um, and people ask me, like, what's the motivation that I have to write so many titles uh, like I do? And the answer to that is I think because of my kind of comic book upbringing being at school with around, around artists, it, it freaks me out and, like, and like gives me – heartburn and and hives if i think that an artist can't pay a bill because a script is late sure like that that freaks me out and i hate that idea and so i try to be ahead on like everything i do so that that's never a factor you know i and 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 so i don't really do it for me as much as i do it because like oh my god can you imagine can you imagine like waiting around for someone to come with a cool idea so that you can pay rent. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so yeah. I don't know if I've actually answered your question or if I'm just like meandering off into. No, that's part. It's, it's, it's funny because it's like a very. It's a slightly different version of. Charles Soule used to, or he he's told me before. Like one of his, he's like the broken down into three things, which would be like, be be on time, be mm-hmm. good, and be cool. And be cool, yeah, exactly. And, and that's that stuck with me, and it's a really and I and I hear different versions of that from other people who are who are seeing success, certainly in in sort of mainstream comics, uh, especially writers, because artists can have a, a a bit more of a brand a little earlier on, but a writer like you know you can be good, but there's others, you know, and so you have to do those other things too, and and like it sounds like you're also approaching it from like. There's a working class aesthetic there that I'm, you know, you, you told me you worked at Best Buy, so I know where you're coming from to a certain <laughs> extent. You you wrote a story about Thor in a trailer park, so I'm, and you know, I'm like, okay, I, I see where you're like, you you recognize yeah. that this is this is a runway that that you don't want to screw up. Yeah, well, I'm just waiting for for the two other factors to get bigger so that I can yeah. cash in on the third. Mm-hmm. So like right now, I try and do a good job at being good, fast, and nice. But I can't wait until I'm so good and so fast that I can start being a dick. Like that's that's really where the sweetness comes in. I can't. I'm not there yet. I, I, I feel so like you hope to be a dick someday. Yeah, dude, totally. Yeah. Like I, I'm like maybe two years in from where I'm at right now. Maybe I like put an event under my belt at Marvel or something like that. 
And then I can really start being like a piece of shit. Really excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because it used to be that you'd either be a piece of shit really early on Mm -hmm. or it would take a really long time. Sure. And those were the two things. And now everything accelerates faster. So, Well, I don't even think that – I think that the the guys who who become dicks late on in life – I think those are just guys who just don't care anymore. They're no, yeah, like, no, they, they don't. Oh, they don't. I don't care what you think about me anymore. And, <laughs> you know? and with the age, there's something sort of endearing about that, depending depending on what flavor that don't care takes. Yeah. I think. And you can see it. The, the best place that you can always <laughs> see that is on, is on Twitter. Yeah. Like on Twitter, like the older guard of creators. Sorry, there's an ambulance going by outside. I'm outside. Can you hear are that you, on your end? Are you safe? Yeah, I am for the moment. Yes. Okay. Um, um, you see that on Twitter all the time. Like you'll see like the younger writers like try and approach trolls and be like, "Hey, I'm so sorry that you felt like that. Like, you know, <laughs> what is it that I can do to to, to help yeah. you?" And then you see like an old pro be like, "Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Go fuck yourself." Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Ron Mars <laughs> is my favorite version of that. Ron Mars is good. He just he just does it for sport, really. But he's yeah. not a real dick. It's just it's 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 aimed nicely. Yeah. Um, so let's let's uh, let me see. I'm going to back up again a little bit. So, what does the sort of road upward look like for you? And I like I know that when I look at it, it seems fast, but on a calendar, it's it's not really. But you said well, you, you never went back and took a day job, so you you were managing to get by somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was Buzzkill, um, and then Ghost Fleet, and then the Paybacks, mm-hmm. like all in a row at Dark Horse. But then Ghost Fleet and the Paybacks back to back got canceled, mm-hmm. and so that was maybe the that was probably the hardest period um, <laughs> because Dark Horse was my home, and you know through. No one's fault over there. It's just math, right? I became I became a creator that they couldn't really bank on, right? Right, and so all of my pitches uh, kind of started falling on deaf ears, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just I'll see if I can branch out and find a new publisher, and so I did, and then you know I did I did like two issues of of like Star Trek, um, <laughs> which was were really fun, and then I did two little short stories at Valiant, um, and then I did. Uh, two creator-owned books with heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, like, that was all stuff that was paying the bills and keeping the lights on, but none of it was breaking through in any sort of profound right. way whatsoever. Um, and how were you... How were you, I'm, I will, you can get to the next book. Like, how were you... Yeah. Were you going to shows? Is that how you were... Oh, yeah. that's a lot of different companies to sort of have an in with. Like, that's, that's, good. Yeah. that's good work. <laughs> well, I was... I was always very good um, with, like, the pitch on the floor. Uh-huh. Um, I was always – and because I think I grew up uh, – like, like my dad taught me how to read on comics. Like, I've been into comics since I was a baby, and I've never really taken any time off. So, to me, a lot of these editors um, are guys that I know their face from far away in the same way that I would know Mark Wade's face from right. across the way. Like, I've seen these these – you know, these awesome editors everywhere. And so I think that helped me a lot in a weird way because editors sometimes can be elusive, you know, because you don't know who they are and everything. And I always did. Um, and so I, I was, and also, you know, and this is something that I didn't even realize that I was doing as a, 
as as what you would say a, a tactic until way later. But I knew the books that they worked on, and I knew kind of based on what they worked on, what their tastes were. <laughs> and so if I had a book that like would work better for Vertigo or would work better for this editor or anything like that, I knew the editor, the, the, the specific guy or girl that I should approach. Do you, did, you know? lot, did any of that come from like, like the time in the comic shop? Cause you just were around all of the comics or was that Absolutely. just a thing that, well, I mean, just cause like, I've spent so much time around a billion different types of comics, but there's a certain point where like, I can't keep track of that. And so totally, I, I guess you're coming I, at it from a different angle. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I grew up reading them obsessively, mm-hmm. and then obviously running my shops, I kind of had a rule—not kind of—I had a rule with my all my employees um, that if everything was done, if everything was stocked, and like you know the bathroom was clean, all that kind of stuff, then I wanted your downtime any any time that you had. I wanted you reading comics, um, and I worked at comic book stores where they were not into that. Mm-hmm. And they would like make up raisins for you to go and clean some crap, you know. And I always thought that didn't make any sense because if you walk into a hardware store, the guy can tell you about all the hammers, mm-hmm. right? And so I ran my comic book shop in a, such a way that if any customer came in, they had a question about any comic, you can recommend it. I would, I would, I would tell them to never tell anybody that a book is bad if if they were into it which is something i wish i i could go door to door and teach comic book stores now yes um but because what you can do is say oh well if you like that book the the, the guy who writes that he also wrote this book over here yeah. and this book is phenomenal and this book will get you to come back into the store a bunch you know um there's just ways to do it and so i i made it my business to read every single comic book that came out every single week Ugh. i'm not exaggerating <laughs> i did it every single week and and it, it paid off because when I went to for when I um, interviewed for my uh, for my Mar- my Marvel internship, I knew every editor before they walked in the room. So like when Jordan and Sana came in, I was like, oh hey, you're Sana, you do Ultimates and this and this and that, and oh you're Jordan, like Hercules is great, man. Mm-hmm. And like I I knew everyone's name, and then I told them, I'll, I'll never for I, this is one of my favorite like little stories in that in the interview it was jordan it was sana and it was two other editors who aren't at marvel anymore and i can't tell you their name off the top of my head i don't think um but i they said so like so what do you read and i was like i read every book that comes out every week and they're like no you don't stop trying to impress us (laughs) like like what do you really read and i was like i'm serious man i read every single book and he was like, okay, I'm going to quiz you. And he did. And then everyone in the, the room did. And I nailed every single one. And I remember, I, 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 can, I can recall an exchange, like just like a brief look between Sana and Jordan, where Sana looked over at Jordan and gave him this look of, of like, look at, the, look at this fucking kid. <laughs> and I knew in that moment that I had it. It feels like there's a fine line where you can do that and it's a good thing and you can do that. It's a bad thing. And it seemed like you landed on the right side of the line. (laughs) You just described every inch of my career. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like everything that I say, it's only cute because it worked. Like, (laughs) but like there's so many different versions of that story where I just look like a, like a giant asshole, you know, (laughs) just had a touch more creepiness than it would have been over. Absolutely. Yeah. You made that work. So, uh, all right. Then going from, 
basically you start doing a bunch of different stuff. You work for, for Valiant and, and Heavy Metal. And, right. And so where does it go from there? Yeah. So, I mean, that was um, it was nearing the end of um, – was, this was like summer 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of uh, – the, the creator-owned books at, at, at the publishers were kind of doing nothing – um, I, I hadn't had any, any headway whatsoever with Marvel or DC, like none of the creator own book I did landed on their radar at all, you know? Um, and even though like, and that's the thing, like I was an intern there right? Even and with your contacts. In nothing, nothing, nothing. And like, you know, I, that's not exactly true that they, they knew who I was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, yeah. And, 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 and they, they were nice to me when they saw me at shows. Panic especially. Panic's always been really cool and, so, and supportive. Um, he would always stop me at shows and say, like, hey, so what are you doing? Like, like, like well, you're writing? Like, what? You know? Um, and so I think Panic wanted to try and hire me, but I, I guess nothing I did in those old creator-owned books kind of moved them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know what? I'm completely lying because during, <laughs> during, during that summer, uh, 2016, I got my first Marvel job from Panic, and it was a ten-page backup in um, Secret Wars Battle World number two, um, like the the most metal title of a book ever, um, and it was terrible. My story was so bad, and this will actually tie into the Marvel stuff once we get to that point. Um, it, it was so bad because I was so scared. And I, I pitched a story with the intent of I thought I was going to be like their dream come true because my pitch was so low key and it didn't it didn't touch anything, meaning it didn't I wasn't asking for big characters and I wasn't trying to do anything huge. I was just like, I'm just going to do a quiet little story over here in the corner that doesn't touch anything else. And so I won't be a problem. And that's why it sucked, because it was so quiet and boring. It just ended up being boring. And so I did that 10 page and I was like, this is the beginning of it all. And it totally <laughs> wasn't. I didn't get hired again for a year. Um, and, um, and so around that time, around that same summer, I, uh, some, some, some terrible things happened t- to me. I was hospitalized. Um, I had an organ fail on me. Um, I'm totally fine now, uh, but it is part of the reason that I'm sober. Uh, it's like a medically mandated sobriety. <laughs> like if I ever drink again, I'll die. So around that time, I, I, you know, I was in kind of like a creative slump. I thought the Marvel thing was going to do something. It didn't. Um, and then, you know, I drank myself into the hospital and when I came out of it, um, there was like a period of, um, there was a moment there where it, it looked like I might not come back. Okay. From it. Mm-hmm. Um, like that it was going to be really, really bad. And when that passed and when I came out of it totally fine, I'm, and I'm still totally fine. Um, I discovered I had a lot to say all of a sudden. It's funny how that works, right? You go through some horrible shit and all of a sudden you have a lot to to say. And so when I came out of it, I had a renewed, um, kind of, uh, lust for, for creating and telling stories and I dug that old idea for the the Thor's hammer and the trailer park thing, and I started kind of wrapping the ideas of mortality and death and learning how to let go and what you would leave behind if you died. 
um, around it. And what came out of it was God Country. And I pitched God Country to every publisher on the face of the earth, and almost all of them rejected it, uh, except for Image. Uh, and like every creator-owned book I had ever done, I pitched to Eric and Image mm-hmm. and never heard anything back. <laughs> and I suspect that Eric read it and, and saw what I think people ended up seeing in it was that it was a book that had something to say. Um, and it was a very personal book that also had talking swords and like 20 foot tall gods in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he approved that. And then like, I don't know, two weeks or so after he approved it. Um, and I was working and I was, I was, I was working on God country, but I had also just had this weird idea. I was reading this book and, um, the word redneck was in the book and I started, I don't know why it's, I don't, I can't ever explain people ask like, where did the idea come from? I was like, I don't know. I have no earthly clue, but I literally just saw the word redneck in a novel I was reading and I was like, surely someone's done a vampire story called redneck. Right. And I looked high and low and (laughs) no one had. That's crazy. Um, Even you saying it now, I thought, no, there's no way that, I know, I know. And I looked high and low and no one had done it. And so I started kind of, I, 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 I call that stuff in the process entertaining an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a folder filled with like, you know, dozens of stories that I've entertained for a, a few pages and then just thrown away and said, ah, there's, there's no meat on this. Like, mm-hmm. fuck this. Um, and so I was in the process of entertaining the idea of Redneck while my first image book had been approved. And Skybound emailed me and asked me if I had anything that I wanted to show them. And at the time, I assumed that was happening because Eric had just approved the other book. Come to find out it wasn't. They, yeah, they, they don't talk to each other. At all. And they didn't. They, didn't, they had no idea I was doing that book. Mm-hmm. And so I hit John back, who's my editor, um, who also used to work at Marvel, um, and I sent him Redneck, and I was like, I, you know, I don't know if you guys are going to like this because you guys do The Walking Dead and you're already doing a zombie thing. This is a vampire thing, but this is what I'm working on right now. And they came back and they approved it, and so I had within like two weeks coming out of this like hor- like this this awful medical emergency, mm-hmm. I had two image books approved, like right off of the jump, and then no bullshit, like. Maybe a month after that, maybe a month, I came up with a new idea, and it was like the same thing. And this was even faster. On a Friday night, I came up with this idea that I thought would be really cool um, about a 16-year-old girl who gave birth to the Antichrist. But the twist on it would be that like it wasn't going to be like every other horror film where, where, where the mom is like the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, where like it's a it, it's a play on how scary pregnancy is. I was like, man, wouldn't it be interesting if she loved that kid no matter what, and was gonna was gonna defend him against the entire world? And I named it Baby Teeth. And I sat down and started entertaining this idea on a Friday. On Monday, I sent it to Mike Martz. On Tuesday, it was approved. Mm-hmm. And so. All of a sudden, I had three ongoing creator-owned books, two at Image and one at, one at, 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 at um, Aftershock. 
And then things from there just got really out of hand and really weird really quick because, you know, again, like Jeff Shaw and I have had at that point done three other books. No, no, I'm sorry, two other books together that, though critically praised, Mm -hmm. they didn't sell at all. Mm -hmm. No one ever cared. And then God Country came out on January 11th, 2017. And just changed everything. It just immediately changed everything. Hmm. It sold like crazy. It was it, every issue went up in sales, which is not a thing that's supposed to happen. Nope. Um, and then the same thing happened with Redneck, and the same thing happened with Baby Teeth. And then, and only then, did I get Marvel's attention. <laughs> and uh, you know, if Matthew was on this phone call right now. He would yell at me and say that I always leave one part of this story out, uh, and he always does this to me in, in public. So just for Matthew, I will I will say the embarrassing part of this. So at th- at this time, you know, I I I actually didn't get Marvel's attention right away, mm-hmm. but like all my creator own books were doing so well, and I was so it was all so surreal, and I couldn't wrap my head around why it was happening. Like Jeff Shaw, I was uh, Jeff Shaw was in town in Austin here uh, for a signing, and um, I was just I was I was I was over the moon, and I was so confused. I was like I was like Jeff, why? Like why is this book doing so well? I don't understand. Like <laughs> you and I aren't coming off of a run on Batman or anything. Like what's going on? And Jeff, being the coolest dude I've ever met, goes, Yeah, I think it's just dope. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I was like, that can't be it. That can't be it. It can't be that easy. Um, but so, at that time, you know, Matthew was already in at Marvel. He was doing Kingpin. He was doing Rocket. He was doing all these really cool books that were getting a lot of attention. And Matthew and I have always been buddies. And so, in a like, in like a panic state, I called Matthew and was like, dude, why, why hasn't Marvel hit me up? I don't understand what's going on. Like, what else do I have to do? And he was like, dude, just calm down. It's fine. Like, maybe I'll, you know, I'll show him some of your stuff. And I was like, you know what, dude? I'm just going to call him. I'm just going to call Marvel. And he was like, oh, don't do that. Why would you, <laughs> why would you ever do that? Like, and Matthew, like, like, God bless him. He tried and tried and tried to talk me out of it. And then I called. I, I did it. <clears throat> I called Jordan because I used to be his intern. Sure. And why not? <laughs> why not? I called him and um, left that phone call with Thanos. Jeez. Like, none of it makes any sense. Like, that's, again, one more thing that shouldn't happen. Like, it shouldn't work like that. Because he gave God Country to Axel. Axel loved it. Axel gave Jordan the go-ahead and gave me Thanos. And then it's just been crazy since then. Did you go in there with the Thanos idea, or was it just like? Um, no, 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 no. no. I, I, okay. not at all. Like, so it wasn't like, a, hey, I got an idea while we're here. Like, no way, no, no, no. The 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 Thanos idea was, I don't know. Are we there at that point in the conversation? <laughs> I mean, it, listen, we got to do it. We got to take this organically. You know how the story goes. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it the Thanos thing was very uh. I don't know. Like, it was weird. Um, I was, when he called me and told me I, I was going to take over Thanos, um, I love Thanos. And so it was very odd 
that that was the first character that I got because I love all the old Starlin stuff. I love all the you know Abnett and Lanning stuff. I I'm a big cosmic dude, and that's kind of the role that I'm doing now at Marvel, which is so much fun to be like one of the cosmic dudes. Um, but I knew that I was taking over for Jeff on that book, and his run was phenomenal. Um, but he was doing something in his caption work that I loved. And it was this big, broad, operatic, um, like captioning style. It's like this third person captioning style that you don't see anymore in comics. And I was already kind of doing that on God Country. Like, God Country is told from the point of view of someone in the future who's in the family who is recounting the story to you as if it's like a Texas tall tale. And so I was already kind of in that zone. And so I just honed in on that. And um, I, <laughs> you know, those little uh, like two sentence things that are on every recap page that are above the title. So like on Spider-Man, that will say like Peter Parker was bitten by a rabbi spider and became that. Right. So the idea for my Thanos run literally came. I like went and bought all the Thanos comics that Jeff had done and I sat down to read them. And I opened it up. I think on the second issue, they had a recap page there. And above the word or the, the name Thanos, all it said was consumed by a like a like a like a uh, it's like consumed by a desire to, you know, conquer everything. He is the mad titan. He is Thanos or something like that. Right. And so I literally just stopped reading right there. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to finish the end of this sentence, like consumed by a desire to have everything. Well, let's just give it to him. Like, let's, let's see what the other side of that story looks like. You know, like what's the worst thing that you could do to somebody who is like an, like an alpha male, like stockbroker dude who, you know, just wants to conquer everything. The worst thing that you could do is give them everything. Because they don't really want the the things they want to chase things, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and 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 in that way of thinking, Thanos became a somewhat crazy story, like a personal story for me. Because <laughs> when God Country came out, I had this plan for myself of like how long I, you know, like maybe I'll be at Marvel in like no, not when God Country came out, when Buzzkill came out. Sorry. Um, like when my first creator on thing came out, I was like, maybe in like five or six years, I'll be at Marvel. And then, and then like maybe like two, two years after that, I'll be exclusive and then blah, 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 blah. And then it all happened so fast. Like God country came out in January. I was an exclusive writer at Marvel by June mm-hmm. of that same year. And so a lot of what Thanos is about is someone getting to the top of the mountain and realizing there's just way more mountain, right? And like getting to the top and saying like, well, what do I do now? Like I had all these goals and now I got them all. And like, what, what am I supposed to do now? Oh, just keep going. Cool. You know, (laughs) that's interesting. I I was actually, one of the things I was going to ask you was sort of, what? and I know you're in it right now, but like, what was the plan? (laughs) And then, you know, now that you're there, like, what becomes the plan? Like, is it just right. is it is it just the thing of, oh, I just want to write Fantastic Four one day? It, because I, I, it doesn't really work that way for pros all that often. Um, 
you know, but like, what, what, what did you, what did you want to accomplish? And are you there? And they, now, so do you have to re, refocus now? I'm definitely not there all the way. I don't, mm-hmm. I suspect I never will be, you know? I mean, I think that I, and, and there's a certain part of me that hopes that I never do because again, it's, it's the, it's the chase that, that is so much fun. It's the dreaming that that makes everything kind of beautiful, you know? I mean, look at a guy like Bendis. I mean, he got to a place at Marvel where he 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 got to, you know, uh, he got to the edge of the world and weeped because there was no more to, to conquer, right? <laughs> and and he found a new dream. And that dream was Superman in DC. It was the mountain he hadn't climbed yet. And you know, and I think that's that's something that we all have. Uh, I to answer your question, I don't know, man. It's it's also weird. Like you said, I'm in it. Like, we'll I'm like, we'll go it. back though. What did you want? What did you want to happen? Like how I did mean, you how did you foresee the career? Like what did, what was the plan? This is what I'll do, and then I'll be happy. And I know that changes as you go along, but right. go back to you know you 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 did the internship. You said I'm going to write comic books. You 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 clearly put your all into it. You know, right? Financially, time wise, you know, like there's no backup there. To be completely honest, it was. I like when I was at Dark Horse and when I was at at, 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 at I was doing all these 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 books and everything. The goal always was Marvel mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I, that's weird for me to say because it makes it sound like I I prioritize Marvel or put them on a pedestal above like an image or or like where I do my creator own books or skybound or anything and that's not true like I I I love doing my aftershock books my image books and everything but like there's absolutely that part of you that is still an 8-year-old kid reading marvel comics and being like I it's Bart Simpson going to the mad magazine offices right <laughs> it's it's the it's it's just an amazing beautiful place and I I to to answer the actual god's honest truth is I was an intern at Marvel, and I was there during one of the retreats, and I saw Hickman, Bendis, Jason Aaron, I think Dan Slott was there. Um, yeah, I saw those guys like in the lobby, and then I was on, I was in an elevator with them. I don't think any of them would ever, obviously, they would never know that I was there. And I remember thinking and like telling a buddy of mine at the internship. Like that's what I want. Like that's my that's my goal. I want to be one of those guys. I want to be an exclusive writer at Marvel who goes to retreats. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the retreat thing was such a, uh, a I don't know. It was so mysterious. It sounded like it was so much fun. You know, like to me, if you were in that room, you were you were there. Like you're in that room. You're one of the top guys in comics, right? And now I've gone to two of those retreats and I see other people react to me like that, like at shows and like younger creators who are coming up who will hear that I was at one of these retreats or maybe say say something on Twitter and they'll make comments like that. But it's weird. I don't, I still don't think I made it. Like I'm, I did the thing that I thought made you make it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I still, I'm in those rooms, and I'm like, 
well, they fucked up. Like, how am I in this room? Like, I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not one of these guys. I mean, this room has Jonathan Hickman and Bendis and Jason Aaron in it. I'm not on. I'm not those guys. But all those you know? guys, except Hickman, think that same thing. <laughs> You're, you're you're probably 100 right. Um, Not that's Hickman. the thing. You're probably. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I wonder. I wonder at what point it settles in that, like, I wonder if Jason. I mean, I could call him, but I wonder if Jason thinks like, "Oh, I'm the guy. Like, I'm 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 the guy." You know, I I once I once called uh, Bendis, who is a, a, a an, an incredibly uh, uh, big supporter and and um, mentor in a lot of ways to me once the image stuff started going on. Um, and when Marvel started talking to me, I would talk to Brian about it and I and I said like Brian, does it does it ever does it ever stop like this feeling that none of it is real and you don't belong here and and like does that ever change? Do you ever just get comfortable in it? And Brian goes, no. That never goes away, but you just get better at ignoring it. Yeah. And I was like, well, then, I mean, if, if Bendis says it, then I might as well just get over it now, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously like no one has seen the, the amount of mountain that Brian has. So if, if, if he still feels that, that way, then there's no hope for any of us. <laughs> so how do you turn that into a Thanos story? Because I like um, I, I, I and it's almost just crafty and kind of thing. Like I get this, I get the concept. I get you're standing there, but then going from you'd like that idea that here's how I feel, here's what it is to a you know mm-hmm. a, a cosmic Marvel comic book story, which has a thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's 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 tough because I think that I I kind of started examining the 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 obstacles that were in my way on a Thanos story. And the biggest one is the hardest one, which is how the hell do you make anyone root for this guy? Mm-hmm. How do you, <laughs> how do you get anyone to sympathize with the guy who, I mean, Thanos's body count is second only to the girl he loves. <laughs> like that's a hard dude to get your head around and to root for. And so it really, it sounds a lot easier than it, it really is, but I mean, I I just thought, well, well, what about a worse Thanos? Like, what about a more evil Thanos? You know, and so that kind of idea started jibing with the the getting to the top of the mountain and seeing what's left and all that kind of stuff, and a story started to be there. And I thought, you know, in the in the once I started. Once I started honing in on what like the what you you know the themes of it and like what I wanted to accomplish in it, story just started kind of clicking into place. And I actually wrote all six issues, um, beat for beat, line by line, in uh, a one like fifteen page document. Um, obviously, like not paneled out like scripts, like a huge outline. But I wrote every issue of it down to like the like the page turns. Uh, I wrote it in a weekend and turned it into Jordan on Monday. And George was like, whoa, like you did not have to do that much. Like all, <laughs> all I needed from you is like two paragraphs of what you're going to do. But cool, this is handy. Um, I don't do that anymore, but I used to a lot. Um, it I, I really, needed to do that. 
I do. I just I don't have time for it yeah. anymore. Like that's you know I don't have time to sit down and devote two whole days of just like playing with this idea, just like crafting an idea. Like I have to you know turn scripts in. Um, but everything started locking into place when I discovered that one of the themes of if I'm going to call this thing Thanos wins, right? Then there has to be certain things that if I'm doing a story about a quote unquote hero getting everything then what does that ultimately mean for Thanos? Well, what that ultimately means for Thanos is that the hero has to get the girl, right? Uh, And it's the one thing that Thanos has never been able to do is get the girl. Um, And so I started to think about, like, what what would that mean? Like, if it's death, what does that really look like? And I kind of stumbled in this idea of... You've read it? I don't want to spoil things. Okay, so... You know, anybody listening has to be okay with that now. Yeah, you're going to have to be okay. Um, The idea is that, like, the answer was always there in front of him this his entire life, which is he just couldn't get out of his own way. Meaning, if you want to be with death, there's only one way to do it, and that's to die, right? Um, And Thanos is so full of himself, and so you know uh, believes that. He can do anything, and that, and that the rules don't apply to him. That he could have been with her a long time ago if his ego had just gotten out of his own way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he had to come to terms with the idea that he's not special. And once I kind of honed in on that, I found I found my two characters. I found the Thanos at the end of time, King Thanos who has finally wrapped his head around the idea that he's not special. And you bump that up against current Thanos, who would tell that guy that he's weak and that he's soft and that he'll never be that guy. Right. And then what you have is just a Thanos fighting against his own like secret natures. You have a very, uh, a very telling narrative about what Thanos feels on the inside and what he's scared of. Mm-hmm. He's scared of being weak. He's scared of turning into that dude. And so all of a sudden I found like this, these narratives just started to click into place and they all started working really, really, really well. And um, the kind of the through line of the, of the phrase Kings do not beg, you know, which is a thing that Thanos says, which is not true. Like it's <laughs> like if a king had to like to protect his country or to or to save someone, a king should beg. Mm-hmm. A king should do anything in his power to because his kingdom would come first. Like the people that he cares about would should come first. And so it's it's a very odd narrative in that the title is Thanos wins. And I thought for the life of me that people were going to figure out where this story was going from, from day one because it's called Thanos Wins. <laughs> it's like he's, he's going to win, you guys. Um, and so anyway, it, it, all just kind of, it all just kind of came together really, really quick. Um, and then I needed a character in the first issue to travel through time and get young Thanos and take him to the future. And that was the hardest part. I started thinking about, well, who can I use, like, in the Black Order? Like, maybe I can use, like, Corvus Glaive or, like, you know, Proxima or any of those characters. And then I, rem- I kind of stumbled upon this idea I had in, like, 
20, I don't know, 2008, 2009, I thought it would be super cool if there was a Ghost Rider in space. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of as far as that idea went. <laughs> I knew that I wanted to do a cosmic rider who was also a herald, um, and I wanted it to be Frank Castle. Because I thought if I ever got to tell that story, who would be the weirdest, like most shocking person it could be, but still makes sense because who likes vengeance more than Frank Castle? Um, and so I just had this character in the back of my head, you know, um, and I remember I was at a con when the paybacks was coming out and I told Panic about it. <clears throat> I was he was like because he was, he's always again, always been really sweet. And he was like, if you ever came to Marvel, like, what kind of characters are you interested in? And I was like, well, I got this crazy idea for a Ghost Rider in space. And Panic was like, oh, no, I meant, like, real characters that exist. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't do that. That's You're nonsense. not there yet. Yeah, that's nonsense that you just said. Um, and so I, just, I had him in my back pocket, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it. Because it's, it's telling, like, that, that Thanos wins – is so dark that Frank Castle is the comedic relief. <laughs> like, because I, I, I always just I was I was very aware of of what this tone was gonna feel like. I knew I was gonna do these like big '70s style like prosy captions, and 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 a big reason for that is because Thanos and especially King Thanos, are not the most verbose of people. Yeah. And I think that they're, they tend to be more... I, I think they're both scarier when they say very few. Or, 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 or they, they speak their mind, they're very di- direct, but they're not really profuse, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and to me, that's what, that's what Cosmic Marvel sounds like. There's like this god narrating everything and it just big and so i knew that the tone was going to be really serious and really dark and really gloomy and operatic and i was like i gotta i need something to cut this with i need somebody to come in here and crack a fucking joke you know and so frank was perfect for it um but then what's weird about that is that frank started to fit my narrative really really well this idea that being around thanos breaks you and being around Thanos and being around that much evil can turn you and change you. And so I put the strongest characters and the strongest willed characters I could find. Frank is this uh, apparently unbreakable will of a man. Like he'll never change his mind about anything, you know, uh, and he's insane and he's working for him as a butler. Right. And then you have Bruce Banner, the Hulk, the unbreakable, the strongest one that there there is, is a dog on a leash. Right. And so those are there, I think, um, as an example of maybe what we all thought was going to happen to young Thanos. I mean, King Thanos breaks everybody. And the idea at the end of this story is that King Thanos was able to bend everyone to his will and break everybody except for himself. And there's a line. There's a line that King Thanos says when they're sitting in the church b- before uh, the Silver Surfer um, shows up. King Thanos says, um, "Young Thanos has given him shit for still being in love with Death, right?" And he's like, "I come from a time where I've r- r- renounced her, and I don't care about her." And King Thanos is like, "Dude, who are you kidding? Like, come on!" And he says, "No one walks away from Death, not even you." 
But in issue 18, that is exactly what young Thanos does. He literally walks away from death. <laughs> he like turns his back on her and never even addresses her. And so it's this idea of like Thanos, you know, you, you, you always want to try and do a narrative where your hero learns something and changes in the end, you know? And I think that in Thanos wins, what young Thanos learned is that he's super cool being exactly who he is and is never going to (laughs) change. And I guess that counts. (laughs) I think you deserve to be in that room. I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) Thanks, man. Well, I mean, there there is, there really, there is a certain sort of way of being able to talk about story. And I've heard a lot of people do this and it's, to me, it's, it's a difference between, I was going to say wannabes, but I'm going to say amateurs and people who make it to the pro level. And I always wonder like, when there's the point that you're able to talk about story in that sense, in that way um, that, that you were doing. You know, right. like, like, were you able to do that all along? Or was it like a thing you learned by being around editors, being around other writers? Or I think a lot of times we think of things like this. We don't necessarily have the words to... Right. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if, if, if you and I had been doing this interview... Um, while I was writing it, mm-hmm. I don't know that I sure. would have been as clear. I, I think that that was something I learned when I was writing Ghost Fleet is that I struggled so much to find the the meaning of Ghost Fleet while I was doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I was going through, through some shit in my life, but I was I was trying to write this thing, and I just man, I just couldn't figure out like what does this book have to say? Like wh- what's there? And then if you haven't read that book, it's about these two guys they're partners like they're like best buds and what their job is is uh, they work for the ghost fleet and the ghost fleet is a black ops trucking like you know uh they're they're black ops truckers i always say that you know at the end of um raiders of the lost ark there's that big ass warehouse Mm -hmm. the ghost fleet are the guys who transport that that stuff right and so in the first issue uh one of the guys betrays the other guy and the guy who got betrayed becomes our main character. And he comes back into the story in the second issue and he steals a very valuable cargo away from the, the ghost fleet. And by doing so, he ends up in, in, involved in this huge war. And it's only when he uh, it, it's only when he finally gets rid of the truck and opens the truck up does he like kind of find that it's like filled with this power that he can use to solve everything and in the process save his friend right blah 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 blah. so i was writing that and i had no idea what the hell it was about on a deeper level and then a reviewer wrote they were like it's this is a uh, this is when it was all over and they were doing like a review for the whole series and they said that it's a i forget how they said it but basically they said that it was about hatred and that Trace, who's the main character who steals the cargo, he literally is carrying around baggage. <laughs> He's literally driving this truck that is filled with, with his hatred for his friend. And it's only when he lets go of that baggage is he able to tap into what's really important and he forgives his friend and they save the world. And I read that and I was like, oh, fucking, of course that's what that's about. <laughs> oh, my God. Because the, the show I was going through in my personal life at, at the time was that me and one of my best friends on Earth had had a big falling out. 
and we were, and we still, I mean, we're still falling out. Like that friendship was over. And he, at the time was the guy that I would go to and like bounce ideas off of. Like I would go to him and say like, dude, I had this cool idea for a story. And like, but, but if this and, that, and this and that, you know, and all of a sudden I find myself writing a story where two best friends are betrayed and one guy is carrying around a whole, whole bunch of cargo. Of course. Like, of course that's what that, you know, I mean, and there's, and it happens in every book that I do. Um, there's, there's some things that are happening in Venom right now that I was just reading back through the first five, five issues that I wrote. And I started finding themes and threads in there that I didn't know were there. And it's weird. And I think that you just have to be, to answer your question, I think that at a certain point, you just need to train yourself to be open for it because you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. You're going to infuse your own personal brand of bullshit into your stories no matter what. You just have to be kind of prescient and have your eyes open enough to pick up on it and deal with it and embrace it, you know, and really dig into it. Um, when I was at SCAD, I had a um, – we had these things called um, editor days. Mm. And um, what they were, they just invited a whole bunch of editors from different companies um, it, to come out and talk to students and look at portfolios and all that kind of stuff. And Chris Warner from Dark Horse came into our class, uh, into our writer's class, and he asked us um, to tell him what we were working on. Like, what, what is your individual big story, your big creator-owned idea that you're working on right now? And so we went around the room, and for every single person, he would someone would get into their story and they'd be like, well, it's about this girl and she finds this amulet and then she can go into dreams or whatever the hell, you know? Um, and Chris would, would stop them and say, no, 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 you're, you're telling me what, what the plot is. What is it about? Mm -hmm. And they would go, Oh, it's, um, this girl finds this amulet and then she's able to, and he's like, no, 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 that's plot. What is it about? And like at the time, it drove me insane. I could not figure out what the fuck he was talking about. I was like, I was like, what are you, you crazy old man? I'm telling you what it's about. And then it took me forever to figure out what he was talking about. And now I get it, right? And so I try in every work that I do, and it's not like I try and find meaning in all the books that I write. I try and only write books that I have something to say about. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain books that I've been offered at Marvel that I've just I've entertained and I've sat around for a while and I was just like I don't have anything, I don't have have anything to add I don't have any like personal I don't I can't I can't access it there <laughs> and there's a character like Venom that they that they ran up my my way and I was like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. right L away lonely lonely guy who talks to his shadow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh huh <laughs> I'll have that thank you you know. <laughs> Place for everybody and everybody in their place. For real. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like things are going well. Mm -hmm. and, and that you're happy to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> I want a writer I'm, to say that, by the way. I, would, I want that sound to come out of your mouth because that makes me understand you better. Because you're yeah, like, yeah, it's great. Cause, yeah. yeah. But that, well, that's the thing is it's, 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 it's so great. It's scary. Sure. Um. You know, uh, I use the I use the the phrase going up the mountain, right? Uh, and the thing that no one ever tells you is that like 
when you're at the bottom of the mountain, you're afraid that you're never going to get to the top. And then when you're the farther up the mountain you get, you start to just go, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm way up here. That's a long ass way down. Oh, my God. Like, what oh, and, if I and, slip? <laughs> and, and comics is like you have to keep you will keep climbing forever. That's that's Yeah. There's and, not a there's not a retirement part. There's... Yeah. I mean, I'm at a place right now that I'm, you know, I'm I, I am having a good time. Yeah. Um, can you tell I've rehearsed saying that I am having a good time? I really believe um, you. I really am, man. Like, you know, but but it but it but it takes certain moments to kind of wake me up into that, you know, because most of what I'm doing is just working. I'm just working. Like my day-to-day life hasn't changed. I'm just sitting around in sweatpants, turning in scripts. And now there's a lot more of those scripts for sure. Um, and I'm getting to play with some amazing characters, but that, you know, when I signed my Marvel exclusive deal, I was really, <laughs> I got really stressed out because there were so many, um, pros who had gone through marvel already sure um or or who are you know currently at dc or currently at marvel or whoever just you know guys who are seasoned right who they could not say con- congrats without adding enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> like all of them yeah. and every time they said it 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 was like a needle in my heart because the thing is is that like no one on earth is more aware of that than me. <laughs> I am very, very alert that this is not going to last forever. Um, I, above my computer right now, I have a, a page from, I have a, sorry, I have a stutter and W's are really hard. The big popular 90s comic book magazine, which is called, I didn't. I can say wizard, but I didn't know if that Thank would be you. not enabled. That yes. would be no, no, no. <laughs> Please, always put me out of my misery. Just say it. Wizard magazine, right? So I have, I have a page torn out from that magazine and 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 taped above my computer because it's the top ten list for like it's like ninety three or ninety four, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the top ten writers of that month, and it's like Mark Wade, and it's like Grant. And then it's like eight dudes you've never heard of. (laughs) (laughs) And that is my day-to-day reminder that like you are doing great today. (laughs) And like every day gets you closer to being one of those eight dudes that you've never heard of. They're all somewhere though and they're probably okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but see now you're lessening the impact of that of that post. No, no, I have, I'm doing that for myself <laughs> because I, I really like. There's a thing where I worry, like, what happened to that dude? Like, I, you know, I'm, I don't even want to name names because who knows? Yeah, but, me like, There's guys who, you know, ten years ago, you saw them doing a bunch of stuff, and then their time came to an end, as will happen from time to time. And I, I don't want to. Th- I'm like, what if that was me? What would I, you know, like? So right. I think well, that's a thing, man. Like, I don't even know what the what I would do. Like, I don't have any other skills. People figure have... it out, I guess. You what? People figure it out, I guess. I, I, that's, I, that's... Think I, would, I think I would do what I think most of the guys do. I think I would teach, mm-hmm. you know? Like, those who can't, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it scares I, me. I don't mean to bring you into this. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's, but it is something that hovers over yeah. me, like, every day. 
You know, it, it could all go away so fast. And so to that end, I said that there's moments where I, I wake up to how cool it is. And most of the time it's, it's, it's something like, you know, yesterday, Rob Liefeld called me out of nowhere. Um, Rob called me. How did to, you get this number? Click. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who are you? Um, uh, Rob Liefeld called me out of the blue yesterday just to tell me uh, how much he was digging what I was doing. Like that's it. I said, I mean, like in moments like that, I like I hang up the phone and I go like, that was that was Rob fucking Liefeld. Like how cool is that? You know, and it's stuff like that, or it's going to shows and there's this big line of people who all are very sweet and are all very excited and, you know, want me to sign things and take pictures. And I will, I will leave shows, you know, uh, just full of energy again. And it's being like, it's so easy to forget that there's, there's the end of the production line isn't going to the printer. The end of the production line is people reading it and smiling, you know? And that's, that's really great. And I, 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 I think more than anything, I appreciate what Marvel allows me to do, which is reach a broader audience and <laughs> to a certain extent, uh, just show people all the cool things I can do with their toys, you know, um, I, in that it's fun, you know, on, on those days, it's the best job in the world. If I was any kind of uh, interviewer worth less than this, I would. Uh, this is this is where I, like I, you, I have to end that there. <laughs> That's, anything else is gonna be superfluous. I know my craft enough for that. <laughs> I did a. I, there's a. There's a. Um, I. There's a thing in Venom. Um, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> eh, I shouldn't say it. I'm not gonna say it. There's a. There's a character who kind of there's a moment way late in my run like a year from from now where a character basically gives a version of that same speech um that is them talking about being a superhero Mm -hmm. but it's literally just me talking about the job i have sure i hope you still feel like that in a year then i want that to keep going that is my that is my (laughs) wish for you uh (laughs) me too yeah so there we go i i don't want to get burnt out no well, don't do – I don't know. I, I don't have any advice for you on that one. I've talked to enough people. The people who don't get burnt out just don't get burnt out as far mm-hmm. as I can tell because they just like it. And it's always right. like, I well, mean, what else is there? Let's do this. Let's have fun. And if you do that, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean at the end of the day, like I try and keep a, a healthy dose of it's just comics. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, <laughs> I try and do <laughs> the best work I am humanly capable of. But if – you know, if something gets messed up in the production line or I put a book out and then I go back and read it and I go, oh, man, I, I, I totally nerfed it. Like I could have done that better. You know, I try to remind myself, like someone's going to read this on the toilet in two minutes. Like they're oh, yeah. not going to they're You'll not going to go. Yeah, I'll have another at bat. They're, they're not going to crucify you and run you out of the town because you didn't write Moon Knight right. You know, <laughs> Awesome. Which is a, an ac- an actual thing that's happening right now. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you got to write Moon Knight right. Although he's crazy, so it doesn't really matter. All right, man. Thanks so much for talking to me. That was that was really fun, and uh, it's good to meet you officially. Yes, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me on the show. Is this part going to be on the show, or are we done? Yeah, we could be done there. 
And that is going to do it for this episode of Talk Explode. I want to thank Donnie for all his time um, and his uh, his exceptional enthusiasm. I'm going to go ahead and call it that. Um, you really should check out his comics. He's really doing some really great and fun, exciting work. Uh, and the guy loves to do it. So that always shows through in the work. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com and you can find out more about what we do. You can listen to our other shows. You can listen to all the other dozens of interviews that we've done over the years. Um, and, of course, you can check out Donnie on uh, social media and things like that and follow what he's doing. And I want to thank, again, iFanboy patrons. Go to patreon.com slash iFanboy um, to, to see how you can contribute if you haven't yet because uh, those goals have helped this show happen, uh, which has been really fun for me. Uh, and I think people enjoy listening to them, too, at the same time. So it's sort of a cyclical thing in that way. Thanks a lot, and we will see you next time. Bye.